0: New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Score, Donnie Toronto! I wonder if they can hear it on Long Island. 2-0. Great save by Sir, Riley stayed onside, the late
1: man, Matthews, great move, what a goal, Beauty, Austin, Matthews.
0: Matthews flipped it up for Marner, Mitch Marner, centering, Hyman to the net, scores! He took fast down
1: and his shot wrapped in the corner of the ring.
0: Alright, here we go. Episode 54 of Not Another Leafs Pod on the Hockey Podcast Network. At Ken Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at Leafs Pod and at Nets. A reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. And to give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs offering players a free shot at $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to ten dollars in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is it's free to play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. It's this simple. Download the top-rated DraftKings app. Use the promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to the DraftKings pools page to get your free shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Episode fifty-four. Of BMac, who you got is uh, the relief representative for this epi?
1: Are you ready for this?
0: <laughs> I'm ready for this.
1: Chris Newberry.
0: Chris Newberry,
1: a leaf from two thousand seven to two thousand nine. He was a he's a gritty guy, bottom six guy, but uh, he was uh, he probably scored like five career goals and mostly mostly spent. His time in the box, but Chris Newberry—that was—I <laughs> was actually doing a, a little bit of in-depth research. The only other guy who rep fifty-four and it was brief, and I didn't know this was Freddie Goche. But that must have been like, very, very brief. So I had to give it to Chris Newberry in this regard. So we dedicate episode fifty-four of Not Our Least Podcast to you, Chris.
0: <laughs> I'm uh, uh yeah, I've got his hockey DB up right now. He basically played <laughs> yeah. about. 43 games for the Leafs between uh, 06, 07 and 07, 08. Uh He had three combined goals, uh, three combined assists, and, uh, yeah, basically 60-plus pims uh, yes. over those two seasons. So, yeah, was certainly uh, spending most of his time in the penalty box.
1: He was actually part of one of, I think, the only time the Leafs put up a 10 spot. It was, like, January 2007 when they were in – Boston and they scored 10 goals and Newberry made it 6-2 and part of like a three goal and 42 second span, which I believe was close to making history. I think the fastest three goals for the Leafs in their history is 21 seconds, but they almost did it. So kind of cool there. A little tidbit for you.
0: Hey, big shout out to Newberry as well. A member of the uh, Connecticut whale in 2012, 2013. That was uh, my AHL affiliate team when I lived in the uh, USA uh, Had 62 points and 127 PIMS. And 70 games from the Connecticut Whale last season. So decent AHL player, but uh, never really was able to carve out, carve out an existence in the show. Uh, so obviously it leaves content a little bit dry at this point. So we're actually going to do this backwards. Let's look at the conference final or the final four matchups that are uh, set in stone here. It's Montreal versus Vegas and the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the New York Islanders. I'm not sure that anybody was expecting these four teams, maybe outside of Tampa Bay, to make it through to the final four Vegas. I know a lot of people had picked, but certainly Montreal and New York have been uh, very pleasant surprises for their fan base. And much to the dismay of Toronto Maple Leafs fans, Montreal makes it through to the conference finals. And uh, I feel like for Leafs fans, they're happy to see Boston out, but it's bittersweet as uh, everybody knows the relationship between Toronto and uh, New York.
1: Well, wait, Kenny, we do have a lead. Frederick Anderson and Austin Matthews were, at UFC 263 last night with Jay Beebs oh, we can yeah, we can we'll pump two, two, two. out 20 minutes with that, can't we?
0: Yeah, fair. <laughs> the, 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 sport, no. the sports center, the sports center uh, Twitter feed was uh, getting raked because they tweeted out that Bieber was at the fight, and right next to him was
1: Austin Matthews. And <laughs> ESPN like, whiffed. Yeah, they are like, just like, oh, Bieber entering uh, UFC 263, and there's like casually Austin Matthews beside him. <laughs> like well,
0: they didn't kind even of make funny mention. Too given the fact that ESPN is going to be the broadcasting partner for the NHL moving forward, you think that they would want to be pumping the tires of one of the star players. I saw everybody in, in the the conversation underneath that saying, Oh, you know what? Bieber is an international superstar. And Austin Matthews is a regional superstar. Like, although Bieber is an international sensation, (laughs) Austin Matthews is not a regional superstar. This guy scored the most goals in the league last year. Uh, He's the best American-born player right now in the league, by my estimation. Maybe you could say Patrick Kane. Obviously, he's had a more illustrious career to this point, but Matthew's much younger. I think he's the most dominant U.S. player right now in the league. So to say that he's just a regional superstar is ridiculous.
1: I love how Anderson, too, kind of just tagged along. I feel like Matthew's was like, I'll go. I'll come on your private jet, but I got to bring Fred. That's that We're a package deal.
0: Yeah, well, Bieber's a big. They're quarantine, fan, buddies, so I, I feel like he wasn't. Uh, I feel like he probably. Yeah, wasn't, I wasn't going to say no. that. that yeah. Fred was long, but he just, no. He's Fred like, can't yeah. come. No, he's like Fred can come, but I don't have. I only have two ringside. Where they say ringside seats.
1: Yeah, uh, Fred, Fred's going to have to, to sit step hard in hard the two hundreds. <laughs> oh man. Well, okay. I guess I guess that's the the forefront of our discussion today. But <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it weird how like Montreal and New York can be in the Cup final like. Jesus, For the conference they, final, yeah. No, that but they could they could play they in the Stanley the Cup they, final. They
0: could potentially be in the Cup final, yeah.
1: Like in an already just weird, unique season, that just is the cherry on top. And they, you know, both Montreal and New York are the the pesky, pesky, grinded out teams. So as good as Vegas is, like man, that that series kicks off tomorrow, Montreal Vegas. I mean, their confidence is is sky high right now, and obviously Carey Price has been the backbone. In, in this playoffs and quite frankly for the last decade. So I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, buying into the let's, let's support the Habs colors with painting our, our and tower in, in their team colors. A sure. It's a, sure. It's a Canadian team, but yeah, I want to get in that like first before we break down the, the final four matchups. I thought that was <laughs> even the thought of that, the thought of that was a joke. And I heard Niagara Falls. Now they're going to put the, the falls and and red and blue colors now to support fair enough it cannot be in Toronto that's like Packers Bears supporting each other Yankees Red Sox you just can't do that are you with me
0: it's like the the Yankees lighting up the Empire State Building yes with the Red Sox colors when they were making that deep playoff run after eliminating them in seven to go on to win the World Series yeah, honestly, that it's the equivalent. It's after the Red Sox went down 3 0 to New York, then Boston stormed, to, or the Yankees went down 3 0 to Boston. The Red Sox storm back, win four straight, and go on to win their first championship since 1918. After blowing the 3 0 series lead, which is actually, there's a lot more parallels than I thought comparatively. It would be like the New York Yankees lighting up the Empire State Building red and white.
1: It's the equivalent of the Habs allowing the leaves to to wipe their derriere and also do up their pants. That's what it is. If you want if you want a graphic analogy, that, that's exactly what it is. I thought it was a joke and it was put to bed fast by by John Tory. And I'm just glad we didn't have to I mean, I didn't look out my window, but I, I mean I'm guilty of just seeing it on Twitter and stuff. But what did was it actually like even briefly for an hour lit up in, in Habs colors?
0: I think it was basically all night.
1: Was it all night? Oh, that's I, a joke. I think,
0: I, I think they fired it up all night, and I think the one thing that we learned is uh, the operator of the LED strips at the CN Tower is uh, a Montreal fan because that's the only explanation. Like mm-hmm. Even a bi- innocent like a neutral bystander hockey fan would understand that this isn't the right play for you know a, a historic landmark in the city of Toronto. I was so confused by the whole thing. It was just so egregious and just a, such a big F you and everybody's saying, Oh yeah, it's Canada's team support them. Like, listen, you can root for Montreal if that's, if you so choose, but to be glorifying it on, you know, the most uh, unique building in city of Toronto is,
1: it's, got, it's gutting.
0: And everybody's saying, yeah, it's federally owned, but come on. Like nobody's coming to Toronto and thinking, Hey, there's uh the federally owned CN Tower. It's the most unique part of the Toronto skyline. It's been defaced.
1: <laughs> completely defaced. There. I was I was embarrassed. I really was. Yeah. Because they would never do that. Ever. Like it just it oh, no, they wouldn't. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Even the mere thought as I said, but
0: Well, they they have a difficult matchup now with the Vegas Golden Knights in the second round. Or than the third round, I guess. It's still hard to believe that they're in the third round. But this Vegas team is no joke. They go down 2 0 to Colorado and then come back and win four straight against the Avs, like in pretty dominant fashion. Like they just found an extra gear. Uh, we've talked excessively. I'm not going to use our favorite word. I'm going to try to steer away from that. We've talked excessively about the depth of leadership on this team, whether it's Mark Stone, whether it's Alex Petrangelo, Max Pacharetti and with outstanding goaltending coming off the back of Marc-Andre Fleury, the Vegas Golden Knights are legit. Everybody was picking, well, a lot of people picked Colorado as the favorite in that division. Uh, ultimately, the suspension of Nazem Kadri. we don't know how much that played into the outcome of this series, but certainly weakened and depleted Colorado's lineup. Now Vegas has the upper hand against Montreal, and This is going to be by far the most difficult competition that Montreal has faced. They're going to be going into a barn, Brendan, where Cole Caulfield has never played in front of more than twenty five hundred fans in the NHL. They're going to be going into a barn, 20,000 strong, with rabid Vegas Golden Knights fans. And you know how they like to put on a show and party more than anybody in the league. It's going to be a shell shock for Montreal in game one going into that stadium.
1: I think absolutely. I was just going to say that like a culture shock because they've been obviously just playing, you know, the six other Canadian teams. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's going to be just, okay, whoa, like I'd be shocked if they, if they sneak one out before heading back to Montreal, because Vegas, like a Nassau Coliseum is going to be electrifying and they make it, it's like a theater. It's like a full theatrical experience. Oh, and yes, there's a hockey game that's played as well. So you got to go through all of that and they're just just ardent ardent fans. Like obviously for the inaugural season it's like okay, like are you really a fan? But now they've embraced it, they've accepted it and they have a wagon of a hockey team. So it's easy to cheer for them. So Montreal's going to be in tough, but they're uh they're feeling pretty pretty confident right now, let's be honest.
0: Yeah, and their team has really embraced the role of the underdog. And that's a position that this franchise can take refuge in. It's like nobody's going to give them a shot against Vegas. Nobody really gave them a shot against Toronto, and most didn't give them a shot against Winnipeg. And they were able to handle both those teams, obviously Toronto and Seven, and that was just the sweep against Winnipeg. So if I'm Vegas, you can't obviously look past Montreal. We know what Carey Price is capable of in the postseason. We saw it firsthand against Toronto and against Winnipeg. But Montreal is severely outmatched up front. I think this is the first time they're going to be facing a decor that is as deep as their decor is. And the first time they're going to be facing a netminder who's playing at the same level as their netminder, Carey Price and Marc Andre Fleury. Uh, nothing against Connor Hellybuck. We know that he, what he is capable of when he's at the top of his game, but he was not at the top of his game against Montreal in that series. Uh, Jack Campbell, again, had an outstanding series, I thought, for Toronto against Montreal. But it was ultimately Carey Price who was able to come up with the shutout in Game 7 and ultimately get Montreal the series win. They aren't going to have it so easy against Marc-Andre Fleury, who put together a Vezna-Caliber season is ultimately up for the award for the best goaltender in the league this year.
1: Absolutely, no doubt. And Montreal-Vegas go Tomorrow night, Monday the 14th, to late one, late start in Vegas. We're recording this June 13th, just after three. So game one of Islanders lightning has been underway. And you look at the final four goalies, Kenny, like premier, premier goaltending. Price, Flurry, Vasilevsky, and then Varlamov, who has stepped into the spotlight and has turned the heads of many. I mean, watching games one and two and three of, of, of their tilt against the Avs, Varlamov was sensational and he certainly stoned the Avs on a multiple, multiple chances. And he has really, really been a staple between the pipes for the Islanders and a big reason why they, they've made it this far.
0: The Isles like, continue to impress with their ability to get it done in the postseason. Yeah, like they, they don't break. And I believe with Vegas actually making it through to the Final Four, that means that there's no one seeds that made it through to the final leg of the tournament. Because Tampa didn't finish in first in their division. I believe they finished actually, it might have been in third. It was second or third place. I can't remember where uh, Carolina ends up finishing, but they weren't the one seed. Uh the Islanders were the three seed in their division, uh finishing behind, I believe it was Pittsburgh and Washington. So they don't end up as uh the one seed in that division. And then obviously Montreal was the four seed coming out of the north. So it goes to show you how the seeding in the NHL playoffs, especially in a weird year where the fan bases aren't able to fill up the stands and home ice isn't what it usually is. it was uh, the year. It's the year of the underdog. And all these teams have to be aware of it, especially Vegas up against uh, a Montreal team that's playing completely with house money at this point. They have nothing to lose. They weren't expecting a conference finals berth at the beginning of this season. Maybe they were in Montreal. I don't think that they were anywhere else. And meanwhile, on the other side, The Islanders have managed to take care of the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins. Two ultimately franchises that have been consistently able to get it done in the postseason for the last several years.
1: Two four seeds. I'm just confirming now. The Islanders are the four seed coming in, bounce Pittsburgh. Montreal is obviously a four seed. Tampa was a third seed coming in. And then Colorado bounced as the first seed. So, yeah, Las Vegas was the second seed. So, as you said, the postseason of the underdog, uh, and now you have a, a a personal wish for that Vegas Hab series. You want a, a a former Hab to to rake and do work, and maybe it's a little bit of poetic justice for us <laughs> and for and for Max Pacioretty.
0: <laughs> I would love Max Pacioretty to score the game winning goal in Game Four, Triple game OT, Bell Center, Triple <laughs> OT, and just go full Selly and just flip off. Uh, and then do do the four as a random do the the cockney me four (laughs) (laughs) yeah everybody ribbed him but like ffs like they win the series it's like it's tough to tough to rib him after that but yeah max patch i think this is a huge opportunity for him to get back in the national spotlight in montreal and show them what they're missing on chasing this guy out of town i know that he struggled down the stretch in his montreal career um Obviously, when the trade rumors start flying, that's not easy for any player, especially the captain. But my goodness is he found a home in Vegas, and he's such a big part of the success of that hockey team. And a great opportunity for him now to stick it to his former club. You know how athletes love to do that, after, especially after they get pushed out of town in the situation that Reddy was out of Montreal.
1: And two former uh, players on canadian teams mark stone too, a former senator and 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 max a, a former Hob, and i'm sure at, at this point he'd, he'd much rather be a a golden knight even though he's can clearly see his his former team has has done considerably well considering they were the underdogs throughout and probably probably thought to have not even sniffed past game four of the first round and, and here they are so incredible run they're on
0: So I know game one of the Isles and Lightning has just started. It's just underway. Um, But I want to get your predictions for these two series before really like both series start. Do you think that the underdogs continue to have a chance? Because I think likely the majority of the NHL community is going to give the nod to the Vegas Golden Knights and the Tampa Bay Lightning to handle the opposition in this series fairly easily.
1: I was shocked that the Islanders beat the Bruins. I'll be honest. I thought the Bruins were going to be... The, the team coming out of the mass mutual East division and the Islanders. I mean, they're not even really fun to watch. Like they're always hemmed in their own zone. They'll get a shorty, they'll kill off multiple like majors. And sometimes it's just like, wow, five minutes of just like, like not, not productive, not clean hockey. And somehow they're getting it done and they knock off the Bruins. So I think similar to the, the Montreal Canadiens, They're they're embracing that that underdog role, and Tampa's just kind of like, okay, sure. Well, we got through Boston, we got through Pittsburgh. Like Tampa's just sure they're another powerhouse, but for them, I think they have a considerable shot to to beat them and and kind of take take what was theirs last year because this is a a a repeat of of a matchup last year, Bolton and Islanders. So it'd be nice if they could knock them off and. And get that much closer to Lord Stanley. I'm rooting for them, and they have the the most ex Leafs, Matt Martin, Leo <laughs> Komarov, and uh, I guess that's it, right? Leo and, and Matt Martin. So I'm with the Isles now.
0: <laughs> you're, you're, you're on the Isles bandwagon. Yeah. Also impressive fashion that they were able to knock off Boston too, losing game one and two. Yep. And then being able to rally from there down to nothing, uh, and we know what Boston's capable of in the postseason time, And they know how to finish off a series. Like They know how to put away an opponent once they have them down on the mat. So for the Islanders to show that fight, um, a younger leadership group, uh, Matt Barzell I was particularly impressed with, with his ability to bounce back in games three through six, whereas he was pretty quiet in the first two games. He was getting bottled up by the perfection line and wasn't really able to produce offensively. Really came to life in the second half of that series, and ultimately the Islanders are able to get it done this is going to be a much more difficult task for the Isles. Uh, It's not a team that they've seen consistently all year, obviously in the, in the different division. So I think it's going to be shell shock for them. And when you look at the power that this team, this Tampa Bay lightning group has up front, obviously backbones by Nikita Kucherov, Braden points and Steven Stamkos. I mean, these guys are no joke. You get a in goal. Um, for my money, the best goaltender remaining in the NHL playoffs, all the respects to price and flurry, but this guy is outstanding. He's just so big in that net. And when he's playing with the confidence that he is right now, it's so difficult to find ways to get pucks past him. Uh, and you look at the decor. I mean, this is a team that picked up Dennis Savard at the trade deadline, and he's barely even been able to crack the lineup for this lightning group because of the depth that they have on the back end uh, backboned ultimately by Victor Hedman and uh, the former Montreal Canadian Mikhail Sergachev, in addition to some other uh, former New York Rangers on that blue line. This is going to be a really difficult task for the Islanders. And although I'm pulling for them as the underdog, and obviously since Tampa Bay has already accomplished what they needed to last year, this is, I believe, a series that Tampa Bay should win. Tampa Bay is fully capable of winning and anything less than a Tampa Bay win in six would be a surprise to me.
1: Islanders in six, Vegas and six. I'm keeping Vegas six and consistent. six.
0: Yeah, I, I like uh, I like the Vegas and six. I've thrown too much shade on Montreal through this whole postseason, so I'm going to put some some respect on their names now. Like I figured that would be a sweep, or at the very least five games against Toronto. They showed me they fed me us the lunch on that one. I figured similar fashion, Winnipeg would handle them in five or six, and the Canadians were able to bust out the broom. So. I still think Vegas is the better team. And I think over a seven game series, we'll ultimately see that play out. But I think the Knights are going to handle the Canadians in game six on the road in the bell center, triple that, OT.
1: That would be money. <laughs> you should, you should <laughs> bet on that. Like, like the very, like the, the, intric- yeah, the intricacies of it. And just like, I don't know, some sort of prop bet.
0: If you parlay the Knights and six with, you could, you could probably get pretty good odds. If you parlay the Knights to win the series and six with the, lightning or the aisles even if you if you parlay the aisles you get way more money cuz tampa's is obviously the favorites but there's probably a pretty good payouts so I'll have to go poke around the DraftKings website using promo code THPN to see if uh there's some prop bets that I can make for the final 4 maybe some prop bets on the Stanley Cup final as well if uh, if you fit, favor that matchup now's the time to get in pick your pick your winner and uh get the big payouts cuz those futures can payouts very very nicely
1: yes and people want want the cash coming in fast now with patios reopening kenny people are locked and loaded
0: buddy i gotta tell you patios opened on friday like it was a you've been
1: gunning eh? oh i was thinking of you because i was like kenny's probably just what's the what's the uh the phrase in the restaurant industry deep in the weeds
0: i was in the weeds yeah (laughs) i was in the jungle like i was uh
1: the cornfield just trying to go through
0: i was robin williams in jumanji (laughs) like when he gets stuck in there and then he just comes out and he's like 40 years old or whatever. He's got a huge beard. Yeah. That was me on Friday trying to serve this patio with all the excited Torontonians, but also angry Torontonians that uh, things were not running as smoothly as possible. It's like, come on, man, you got to give restaurants, restaurant employees, servers a little bit of slack here, cut them some slack. They haven't been serving regularly for 15 months and then all of a sudden it just gets dropped in their lap that they're able to open in you know three or four days. A lot of places are understaffed. They have employees who have just been hired. So aren't as familiar with the systems. If uh, you're, you're listening to this, Ontario, give a, give your servers a little bit of a break. It's been a, it's been a rough 15 months for people in the hospitality industry. It's been a rough 15 months for everybody, but uh, speaking as from my experience in the hospitality industry in particular, I've seen a lot of friends that have had to leave the city and a lot of businesses shut down because of their inability to, Fight through the restrictions.
1: Well, I was out uh, with host of Locked On Centers podcast and good friend Ross Levitan at Amsterdam Brew House the other day, and let me say that the the way like everybody was able to turn things around, like you said, on a dime. You know, management, staff, servers, bartenders, like it was just it was amazing. It was pristine, and just to piggyback off what you said, Kenny. Like, yes, I hope the the tipping uh, continues to enlarge for you especially, and because you uh, thank know. You. I find, I find sometimes, yeah, it is, it is kind of just like taken very loosely and, you know, people can be, as you and I both know, working at uh, Mercado a few years ago. People can be pompous and you can tell who have, who have not worked <laughs> in the food industry before. You really can. So yeah. remember to tip your servers, folks.
0: Yeah. A person, and remember a person who is not nice to the server at your, if you're ever out to dinner, is not a nice person. Pretty good indicator for those of you who are going out on a first date or something like that. The person's an asshole to the server, then uh,
1: They're not probably a nice just
0: person. not a very nice person. You should probably <laughs> shut that down.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a you one know, date.
0: <laughs> you, uh, you've been following any of the Euro at all? Scary situation yesterday in Denmark. Oh. It was Christian Eriksson. Thank so, goodness for him and his family.
1: Oh my goodness. What a scary sight. I, I wasn't watching that live, but uh, one of my good friends was covering that match in the newsroom and Man, it's just, I, I've never really, not that I saw it live, but even just, I guess they kept it off of, of social media for, for the family's sake, but I did go through our, our video PRX system and looked at just a live look, and it's just, I'm, I just hope he's he's recovering well. I think he's he's stabilized in hospital now, so.
0: Yeah, he FaceTimed with Oof. his teammates following the following gang sent to the hospital and basically gave them the blessing to continue the match Uh, It was was a scary situation, man. I never seen seen somebody like, I think he was actually like, I think he died on the field. It looks, it certainly looked that way. They had the defibrillator out there and people were raking the broadcast, but it's also my understanding that like, especially for networks like TSN or ESPN, if there's a match going on, like from an away stadium, generally what you would do is just take their feed of the director's cuts and stuff like that. So right. you put your own commentary sort of over it. So like, basically like whoever was running the broadcast was getting into a, a lot of hot water on social media for showing like these guys shocking Ericsson on the field with the defibrillator. It was, it was scary stuff, but obviously he seems to be recovering well. So thoughts and prayers with his family, um, with the, with the Danish people, with the Danish national team, because that was a scary, scary situation. But, uh, we were just actually just trying to turn on some nice afternoon football just to fire up the Euro before I went to work. And that was such a downer on Saturday morning. We are like, oh,
1: and it just day two too. like, it's just like, oh my God, like already there's been, it's just been, yeah, I'm really, I'm really hoping he, he can recover well and thoughts and prayers to, to Ericsson and his family. I'm personally on a lighter note rooting for Belgium. Who do you, who do you, uh, who do you got in the Euros?
0: Uh, Belgium is a good team to watch. Uh, They're obviously without one of their star players, De Bruyne, the star midfielder for Manchester city. So I think that might hurt them a little bit later in the tournament. Uh, I don't have any skin in the game as far as uh, international teams that I I definitively pull for. I suppose if you held my feet to the fire, uh, I do like France's team a lot. I like a lot of the individual players on France, Uh, but I think I'm going to be pulling for the red Lions, England's, Nice. Year in, year out.
1: I had a feeling you you were, yeah.
0: Well, they never are able to get it done in international tournaments. So in that way, they're kind of like the Toronto Maple Leafs, where they can dominate regular season play or sort of like the international friendlies. They always seem to show up and play well, but then they always seem to get eliminated early on in these major international tournaments. So uh, for that reason, I'm hoping for the people of England that they can pull through and maybe get them uh, that – Evasive World Cup. I, I don't think they they've won one since like the 40s or the 50s or something like that. It's been a long time.
1: It's well, been a while. I guess it's
0: it's, a, it's a, since a major championship. I know it's not the World Cup. It's uh, the European Championship, but that's equatable to a World Cup victory to be able to come out as the top team in Europe. Uh, from I just... my understanding.
1: I just love Belgium because Lukaku's a stud, and I visited Belgium in 2017, and their stufli sauce, which is essentially gravy, is remarkable. And Belgium, just the culture is incredible. So <laughs> that's, that's why I'm, I'm turning to the, the international footy team to cheer for. All right, big
0: shout-out. I'll, uh, I'll take England, you'll take Belgium. Whichever team makes it further owes the other person a pint on the patio.
1: All right, deal, buddy.
0: All right, paid forward my last uh, my last debt of the IPA. All right, yes. so uh, just a qu- quick synopsis moving forward. Uh, with the leaf season over, we'll likely be looking forward to the expansion draft in future episodes. Take a look at who may be exposed for the Toronto Maple Leafs and then likely uh, some player profiles coming down the pipe. We'll look at all the player seasons and uh, give them grades or uh, and take a look at who we think will be coming back, who won't, a number, a number of notable Key free agents that will be uh, will be on the block, I guess. Like there will be, a, there'll be a, <laughs> yeah, there will be management decisions to be made. So that's what we'll be doing for uh, this summer. Obviously, I'll be looking forward to the draft moving forward, the expansion draft itself, and the actual NHL draft, which will be coming up later. So we'll uh, keep a keen eye to see if Kyle Dubis makes any moves ahead of then. Uh, but until that point in time, thank you for listening to episode 54 of Leaf Spot on the Hockey Podcast Network. Remember to follow us on Twitter at mccarthy 95 at Ken Stapon, at LeafSpot and at HockeyPodNet. And we'll catch you next time.